Hello and welcome to the Scanon podcast. The excitement is palpable. Scanon, where I come from. Ooh, and we're off already. Country people. <laughs> uh, I'm not completely a country person. Non country you're, you're country enough for me, Grace. How dare um, you? First of all. But, as you might have guessed, we have. Um, that shitster, Grace. <laughs> that's Grace shitster Duffy to everyone else. And. I can't think of anything funnier, Ronan. Yes, Ronan a the beautiful banker. title. Uh, Ronan That's me. Uh, yeah, we're back. Um, we've got our usual nonsense. There'll be a top ten we'll suffer through. There'll For be movie news. That's really good. There is, and there'll be new releases which are interesting. I look forward to hearing but what they are. We will kick off with our usual uh, nonsense. Um, what we watched this week, Shitstorm Grace. What do you got? Okay, you're gonna have to give me. She's eating cake. Uh, this, this. Is, this is this is this <laughs> is totally unprofessional. Mm. Um, it's the cake and film podcast. It is Welcome. actually fairness. And Ronan made the cakes because he's a prince. And they're extremely tasty. They really are. Yes. You can download them at scanon.com. <laughs> <laughs> download those cakes. Scanoncakes.com. Okay, so I had a relatively bean week mainly because I was binge watching Mindhunter and then immediately rewatching Mindhunter the second I finished it. So that's the first thing I'll talk about. Such a completist and then completist. I am. It has absolutely nothing to do with Perving on one of the lead characters. Sure, we won't. We, let's, let's not get into um, that, Grace. Let's not. All well, I know about it is Jonathan Groff. Friend. Is it him? No. Oh. It's the older man. Oh, she likes oh. an older man. She does like an older okay. man, tragically. She's a bit of a. Weird, he's pretty shame. good looking though he's and very good he is, looking yeah. he's beautiful eyes yeah. great shoulders great voice hey. anyway that's not what these people no. are listening for no. um, yeah, I hope not uh, Mindhunter is very good it is I don't know why I'm saying this like I'm completely surprised because I recommended it to you which you were also surprised by <laughs> I know it's been on my uh, Netflix list for a good like two or three no two years at the stage doesn't matter for three years um, but yeah I'm very glad I finally got around to watching it it is really really good very atmospheric the character development is absolutely excellent yes excellently written um and i really enjoyed this i I am a little bit of a criminal minds fan i have to say so there's a little bit of added extra on on top of that sure because um obviously this is the kind of stuff that well basically in mindhunter i suppose the um research that they're doing in the unit that they're trying to set up within the FBI is something that will feed into criminal minds later on. And various other things like that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if you're in any way interested in psychology, obviously this has very interesting subject matter. But even on top of that, the um, the production values are very cinematic. David Fincher obviously is involved. And he clearly has some sort of a thing for for just presenting stories about serial killers extremely well because between this and Zodiac and various questionable things that would have happened in say seven or even yes. fight club oh, no, he, um, know, he knows exactly mm-hmm. the kind of the evil men do in that kind oh, of oh absolutely like, yeah. it's it's just really well presented the story is very well told um and i heartily recommend it especially because the second season is out tomorrow yes. so if you haven't watched it yet then please do i will say actually in terms of my i read the book that it's based on uh a couple of years ago after mm-hmm. watching it who and wrote book, it uh, who wrote the, the two guys that were the kind of lead that he played it's interesting for a couple of reasons one it's because it covers a lot of the ground in a bit more detail than that the show does but two it's very self uh, aggrandizing like the like you know we formed all this we did all this we never did that in bad we're perfect we're great kind of thing in a, in that kind of weird American way that 
things like you know weird yeah. superstars and doesn't really allow much for self-reflection or failure or doubt or anything in it which is a bit disappointing because you'd want to read a bit more about you know because it's the psychological kind mm. of aspects of it and i'm sure that comes into the investigation of it particularly in the show it does uh and it doesn't really come across in the book which is really disappointing so i wouldn't recommend it but the show is terrific mm -hmm. I think that's actually kind of interesting, though, because obviously if you've seen the show, you'll know that there's a point where one of the lead characters, well, the lead, I suppose, in particular, um, the way he sort of becomes a little bit full of himself, dare oh, I yes. say, and, yeah, um, you know, the hubris of that is explored quite overtly. So that's actually kind of an interesting take, the yes. idea that, you know, you become so completely assured of your own insight and your own genius that you feel like you can begin to predict behavior oh yes There's and how that, that can book. lead to a lot of pro possibly unfair decisions and um influence and so on is, well, the is book quite interesting they tend to kind of like well i did this and because of this i saved the world kind of elements yeah. like because we're geniuses and not to say that there wasn't elements that of course yeah. there is but i imagine the kind of actuality of it might have been yeah well, the, like the subject matter is very grim, but I have to say I find the wider kind of social context quite interesting yes. because I think it, it it might even be in the first episode. There's um, a scene where the lead character is talking to somebody else who's kind of in a similar line of work to him. And he talks about how, you know, for a long time you would have looked at, at crimes as being committed in a, within a certain context. And you would think, oh, you look for example. For example, the jilted lover, you know, like the the, the classic beleaguered like, yeah, yeah. sort of former work partner or whatever, and now it's like sort of very random crimes of passion that make no sense to the casual observer until you start delving into the kind of the psychology of it yeah. and how that fits into the wider context of an America that's been shaken by things like the Vietnam War, which you know obviously a lot of people were killed in and you know america didn't actually win and then things like watergate and so on and that shaking of trust in the traditional institutions and so on that you would have placed a lot of trust in yeah um that i found very interesting I agree. I, especially I agree in, in a modern context it's it's interesting to look at it in that way but um but yes mindhunter is very good um and then other than that i was at comic-con last weekend and um because i love aliens and aliens is one of my favorite films mm. after comic-con <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Somebody was making a rude noise in the background. I don't know what that means. Um, after Comic-Con each year, I like to rewatch Aliens, which is a magnificent five-star masterpiece of a picture, regardless of what Jay would have you say. <laughs> um, and I absolutely love it. I really do. I love the character work in Aliens. I love that it's a very... Um, respectful setup for Ripley you know she's not sexualized in any way sure. the very plot of the film seems to underline what happens when a woman is not listened to or ignored despite her being the smartest and most informed so like person every film. in the room <laughs> precisely yeah. um, but really I don't think well m maybe this is an unfair thing to say but I, I feel like Aliens doesn't get a lot of credit for how good an action movie it is mm -hmm. especially following mm -hmm. Aliens it can, no, it gets a lot of people love it like I'm in the minority here I love it I really do but especially following something like Alien which is about as pure a horror movie as you can get yeah, because yes. there's literally something creeping around in the darkness like murdering mm -hmm. people in really gruesome and quite terrifying ways to take a property like that and then to up the ante in the way that Aliens does and do it with such memorable characters and such a wonderful cast of characters is really quite inspiring and I love Aliens for that because it takes a premise that kind of shakes you in a really sort of creepy unsettling way and then just marries in all of these incredible action visuals and frenetic pace and just 
Oh, I just love aliens. It's so hard to put into words do. what I love about I, it. I just think it's fabulous. I'm with you in a way. I think that it's a really impressive gear shift, the way it mm -hmm. shifts from horror to action and pulls that off really well. I suppose mm -hmm. for me, the problem was always that I just, I'm not a huge action fan. So once you, you kind of steer into that lane instead, you lose me. But uh -huh. like, it's it's pretty much assured its place in the Pantheon. So all action mm -hmm. fans adore it. And, and that's completely understandable to me. Yeah. I just find like, once we get away from the horror thing, I'm gone. Yeah. No, that's fair enough and i think like there is a valid probably criticism to be made that aliens is probably a little bit too long like i can see why what? people would <laughs> feel that people way that ending is terrific though but it is terrific yeah. Yeah. the not. ending is fantastic i think it's dreadful but anyway, then, you think it's dreadful i do yeah i really don't like it okay oh, which wow. specific part of the ending do you not like no i mean the film in general like not, not no the, it wouldn't uh, go dreadful i just kind of I, take a hands up in the air this isn't I my thing but go enjoy it's an it. unironic reagan-esque Oh, uh, wow. Orgy of bullshit violence. But, but that's, that's just me. But there's such a clear yeah. subtext of criticism for capitalism and hey, conservative values. For James Cameron, criticism of capitalism, which is stop. <laughs> How dare you? The man is capitalism the personified. The villain is the like, literally sitting there saying this installation has a substantial James, dollar value. James Cameron sits on a castle of cash. Like you know, there is no like, criticism of capitalism like in James Cameron. Sitting there, going, "You sit upon a throne of lies." That's what James you're Cameron sits on a throne of lies. <laughs> okay, well that bitch. provides. I'm not a camera fan, as, as people might know. Yes. I am. I'm a Cameron apologist, is the way I describe myself. <laughs> That's a really interesting way to describe it, actually. <laughs> I like James Cameron movies a lot. I think he has a lot going for him, but I can see why certain criticisms. Not all, but certain criticisms are grounded. Um, anyways, to segue from Aliens, I then decided to watch Alien 3, for reasons related to Mindhunter, um, the night after. And Alien 3 is an abomination of the film. I'm mm. not even going to use any other word. It is so bad. Nonsense. I remember it as being... Like, I hadn't watched it now in about five or six years, and I remembered it as being terrible. But I thought, oh, you know, I haven't seen it in a while. Maybe there'll be something in there that I can appreciate that really isn't. It's brutal the production yes. values are awful the cast feel like they've been like it's a good cast in the sense that it's like a you know a list of supporting character actors that's the word i'm looking for mm -hmm. um but they all sort of feel like they've been lifted from robin hood prince of thieves and then it, it's like a weird related cousin of 12 monkeys except without any of the visual inspiration going for it and it's just it's just so bad like it's it's alien to alien huh to me how uh, anyone could have thought Jesus. that this was a the ghost that darren appears in uh <laughs> in i don't podcast. understand how anyone could have signed off on this and i yeah. feel in like fairness, though, they didn't the majors major problem like the yeah. background to alien this 3. could have cost us or david fincher as a filmmaker like yeah but he like the, the, the stories around it are legendary like it's it like it's so he bad. was a young guy coming onto a film like yeah. this first feature mm -hmm. and he got absolutely kicked the shit Shafted. out of it. and yeah. the money wasn't there and mm -hmm. he was rewriting on the spot oh so there's made so by rewriting it. we're just going to do a rerun of the first or I, of the second I, film even and I've just a lot of I've a, really a lot of way. interesting I think there's a lot of interesting things in the I really like the world I like the world building I like the there's a but, creepiness but and a part, sadness to it that I really really enjoy this and is the part that I find quite upsetting because the first say I'll give you the first like half an hour 40 minutes first of all if you want to alienate your entire audience would you stop making alien puns for the love of god man. <laughs> that wasn't even intended 
intentional. That was actually um, pretty good, though. You probably yeah. shouldn't have, in the first few scenes, kill off two very popular characters you see, from your immediate predecessor. I think that that's a bit of a bold break. I kind of like that, though. And I, and I understand no. why a lot of people don't, because that's... No. Yeah. But I think you have to. You've lost I think me to a certain instantly. Point. There's, there's no... You know, it's, it's no coincidence that neither of us are huge fan of Aliens and we're okay with that move whereas you are yes. and you're not it's like, that's exactly how dare it. you kill it's like you do what you have to kid and, it, and then it's like yeah fuck it they're all dead <laughs> but I kind of like the the break from it in the sense that you're create, trying to create something yeah do you know what I mean? Okay, I, 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 would, that, I would give you that if it went to anywhere interesting yeah, yeah, it, it does not justify that decision it's, in any way and terrible. it kills and off a dog can I a moment that's nothing to do with the film though but um John Wick kills off a dog and all he hears is praise John for John Wick himself does not kill the dog. Hang on, are you saying the person that kills off the dog will make the film or not make the film? It's the inciting incident. It's not John Wick's fault. It is John Wick's fault. He gets How into shit at the fault? garage like. He becomes a bit of a dick like and then he gets his dog killed. Alfie sorry, Allen I'm... is a lawn to himself. Thank you. Anyway. Alfie Anyway. Allen. Exactly. That's the way. Have you seen a John Wick film? No. Don't see oh, a John Wick film. I you haven't seen John Wick? Tremendously overrated. It is not overrated. All it's of them. Fun. You know I hide from things. You if should you're hide not a fan things. of action movies, though, in fairness. That's exactly it. Made up your I'm, I'm probably going to come out of it. action films. <laughs> They're not. Anyway, to finish Sorry, up Grace, Alien I'll 3, the first maybe half an hour, 40 minutes, I actually don't mind too much. There are some decent scenes in there. There's the basis for what could have been some compelling character work. Obviously, it's like a who's who of like random British actors like Charles Dance and... Paul McGann and Brian Glover and, and various yeah, yeah, yeah. And various other things um, but it just doesn't do anything with them like if you wanted to use that to do a little bit of world building and explore the internal politics and set up this universe that, that most people are pretty familiar with after Alien and Aliens and that could have been interesting but it doesn't it just sort of is like okay we're going to have some random rape or attempted rape and then we're going to have the alien just first of all murder a dog which is completely uncalled for and then an alien would murder a dog though like it wouldn't have sympathy for a dog. It's an alien, not a. I know, but I'm just Christian I'm just generally against violence against dogs. Mm. No, but all right, yeah. And okay, speaking no, of Christianity, this... there is some thinly veiled like Christ metaphors in here that are just awful. <laughs> but the thing is, right? They usually are. I'm not saying oh. it's perfect. Of course, it's not. It's it's highly compromised and it's a hybrid of potentially good ideas uh-huh. ruined by various for various reasons, either logic or money. Uh, like it's a problematic film, like it completely. But yeah. I think there's really interesting stuff in there that fascinate me more than Aliens, which is just one mm. big tuttering judd of a nonsense. How Do you know what I mean? And that, that, that's how I feel about it. Tuttering judd of a nonsense. I even feel I even like Resurrection better than Aliens. Excuse Take that on board, wow. Grace. Oh no! Snap! Stop! You it. are a monster. A monster. You wouldn't be the first to say that. Actually, this is the second time you've said it today. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, that's actually impressive. You are quite wrong on that. Aliens is the second best of the best. No, it's not. Anyway. Anyway. Well, let's move on before <laughs> somebody kills somebody. Moving on from Alien 3, I which is a here. terrible film that you should not waste your <laughs> life on, regardless of what Jay would have you believe. Don't listen to me. I know um, nothing. Last night, I went to see Marie Antoinette by Sofia Coppola. Which I also saw on the early screen, and Ronan saw at the same screen. Yes, so yes. we can all... We exchanged uh, some pleasantries. We all saw a film. It's yeah. the first time in a long what time. What a world. And a Sofia movie, might I might just know, say. Right? Sofia has it's the right place for us to unite. I, I will say just to kind of kick off that this is the last one of course that I hadn't seen I'm not counting a very Murray Christmas I can fuck off it's a, <laughs> it's a bullshit Netflix Bill Murray wankathon I'm not watching it wow. this is me clapping for Jay because Sophie is one of my favourite directors well, I'm just very proud of him the weird thing is right I went to see Lost Translation when it came out 
And Lost in Translation, ironically, sorry to cut across to you, is I don't actually like Most at people all. don't, but this is the thing, right? I really loved it when it came out. And it's a couple of years really later, I rewatched it. It's uh, like, oh, it's not as great. And then a couple of years later, I watched it again. It's like, actually, this might be it's terrible. Just, it feels very inauthentic It's trite to me. and it's yeah. a little awful and a bit racist mm-hmm. and a bit strange and it doesn't quite work despite really good performances um it just doesn't feel to me and i admittedly i haven't watched it in a time so maybe if i rewatched it now i would see more of, of merit in it but when i when i did see it originally i remember just thinking to myself it didn't feel like it had a lot of her in it which mm. is weird to me because any other yeah. film i've seen of her i can see the vision that she's going for mm-hmm. and i don't know maybe that's part of the point in lost in translation like maybe it's meant to feel a little bit like aimless and no kind it, of it definitely is to some certain so degree on, but i don't know it just it just never really but like i watched that and i was like eh, and then i was like i watched somewhere which is reprehensibly Summer's bad dreadful. it's it's awful have you seen i, I have not seen somewhere I'm waiting really for it to come into the library. Absolutely <laughs> fascinated to see what you're doing. What if I absolutely love it? I watched it last year and I was like, I was hoping for good things. We'll have a detailed conversation. Mm. It's proper bad. It's going to be an interve- intervention if you love it. <laughs> okay. uh, but, but I watched it and I was like, shit, I'm, I think I'm done with Sophie Capola. I'm not even going to watch any of her films because uh. they're kind of terrible. And then I watched The Bling Ring and it's amazing. The Bling Ring is fantastic. And then I rewatched uh, Virgin Suicides in The Lighthouse when he showed it, which is great. Absolutely great. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Marion Thread, which where, is fucking fantastic. Where is the beguile fitting in here? I quite liked it. I didn't love it. Okay. It's not bad. It's in the kind of middle and two mm-hmm. and a half star kind of thing. Uh-huh. I liked it. I like certain things about it, but mm-hmm. I didn't quite catch fire in the way that I was expecting it to. Uh-huh. I think that's probably fair. I think it's kind of standard view of it to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. yeah. But I thought Marion Thread was stunning. I was, I was actually kind of stunned by it. Marie Antoinette is a wonderful, wonderful take on a film because the thing that I like about um, Sophia's take on this particular, it's not a legend, obviously, but, you know, there's obviously a sense of, of myth almost around it because yeah. Yeah. this is a figure who's very well known in, in culture, even if a lot is not known about her specifically. But I think the thing that we tend to forget when we look back on a lot of these historical stories is that the monarchy were very young, yes, very uncultured, very sheltered. Um, and I really like the way that Sophia approaches this story because she takes it from the perspective of somebody who's 14 or 15 coming into a completely foreign land, completely unsure of herself, has this massive weight of duty and expectation placed on her shoulders, and she doesn't really know what to do with it. So the she whole thing... escape from it. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> yeah. So the whole thing is almost shot, you know, like some sort of weird, out-of-time MTV thing yes. where with all of the with pop the music colors and, and, yeah. and anachronistic music yeah. and wild costuming and extravagance. And I just love that approach to it because for starters, it reflects the regime i suppose that would have been in place before the french revolution and the so age. in that sense you know it's a very good reflection on the stylist style of the age you know no no i agree i completely agree on the age um but also because it it highlights i suppose in a very colorful and quite striking way the genuine ridiculousness of the monarchy and the oh, genuine like extravagance and wastefulness and just aimlessness i suppose that they all feel because the thing that really strikes me about Marie Antoinette, and this struck me the first time I watched it, and even more so when I rewatched it yesterday, was that it's just, it's so melancholy. Like, there's yes. such a. And it's there from frame one, like. There's such a profound undercurrent of sadness, of loneliness, of looking for your place, of knowing that you're completely detached from the world around you and the superficial nature of your life and of the expectation that's been placed on your shoulders and trying to find some element of truth within it 
Like, I actually think that's that's captured very, very well yeah. in this film. And what's more superficial mm-hmm. than the royal royalty? Like, precisely. Do you like, know the what whole I mean? It's a superficial, like a, absurd, a and otherworldly, and fantasy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's superior. It's bizarre. And she's the perfect, like, she's from Hollywood royalty. She's the perfect mm-hmm. uh, register for that. Like, the perfect, yeah. she knows exactly what she's getting at mm-hmm. in terms of dynasties, in terms of expectation. Like she's very much aware of that, and particularly from Godfather Three. If you get down that road, like yes. the, yeah, the, the yeah. where she took all the flack, it was yeah. bad because it was her fault. Like yeah. it wasn't Francis Ford Coppola's fault, like yeah. which is absolutely yeah. bollocks because he took because the it was. cash. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. And and I really like that about it. Like yeah. she's perfect for it. And Dunst is possibly the actor of her generation. Oh, she Kirsten is incredible is in this. I adore the her. close-ups on her are stunning. Mm-hmm. And that final act is one of the best final acts I've seen mm. in the film in The build up to that crescendo decade. of tragedy is unreal. The like and the visual s- representation of it. The visual language of it is stunning. Like even right down to the point where like there's there's a point where she gets a letter and she keeps getting these letters from her mother yes. reminding her what her duty is. And then it cuts to a shot of her standing in this window in her and side it and it back. pans out yes, and it's, it's just like gorgeous, isn't it? as a way to underline how completely lonely and aloof and just out of time she yeah. is. Because the window staggering. does it and then the whole building does it mm-hmm. like and it reinforces completely mm-hmm. exactly yeah. that. I I absolutely adored it. I adored it. It's yeah, so I'm agreed entirely. Pretty much, it's it's beautifully composed, and I love the way it uses those ideas of sort of at the top end of vacuousness in terms of royalty to sort of comment in a wider sense on gender roles and the way that we mm-hmm. force yeah. women to sort of obey these things. And you must have children, and if you don't, you are worthless. And you better have a boy because you know yeah. we need the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. line to continue and so on. And you know your husband is a, an idiot and can't get it up, and that's your fault. Yes, mm-hmm. all this sort of. Until thing Danny Houston comes along to explain the birds and bees. I love Danny Houston. He's great. He's fantastic. And Judy Davis. Oh, she goes like no one else. Oh. She's the true queen. She's amazing. Amazing. To the see cast her on is great, though. It's like it's, 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 it's stacked. Cast. It's absolutely yeah. stacked. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Roseburn is Roseburn is the greatest. And breathtaking. She's so funny. And then and it's Rip Torn as the king. Like yeah. Rip Torn for the love of God. Like, yeah. but even the way it instills that idea of like you know your value being associated with a very particular aspect of you. Like mm-hmm. when it does Madame Dubarry and how yes. you know she's the she's king's the companion brothel. and she's from the brothel. Basically seen as a fancy like you know whore with notions, I suppose. Yeah. And it's like yeah. it's so uniquely French, yeah. but such a perfect representation of how we put people and women specifically into these little boxes and yeah. expect them to behave in certain ways. But it's ways. horror wife or whatever it is, isn't it? Like it's, oh, there's yeah, only the, certain roles that women can... Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, so and, and there's only ro- they're the only roles they can take because they're, they have an idea of notion inside their own head yeah. about life. And, yeah, yeah. and you see that when she, she gets her little uh, our mini palace as a present for bringing a baby mm-hmm. into the world, she just escapes that constantly mm-hmm. to yeah. run around and be young and yeah. all the rest of it and frivolous in that mm-hmm. way. And even then you can see like the fact that she won't go to bed and she wants to see sunrises is the kind of lead into the darkness like she mm-hmm. doesn't want to end because she knows there's an end point at some point yeah. you know and I really love that about it I think it really captures there's a something. real poignancy I think to yeah, that that she just wants to escape to an image of a world that's completely simple where she's just yeah. on a farm and I mean I know that's you know rooted in some level of historical truth but at the same time I think that has resonance for this day and I, I completely agree. when people expect you to embody certain characteristics mm-hmm. and to lead a movement almost in a certain way that you just want things to be as simple and as plain as possible and you know that you create that fantasy yeah. for yourself as an escape it's, also you know it's really striking guillotine the royalty because it's terrible <laughs> yeah. but, but anyway yeah there's this cool. lovely distancing effect with the two where it manages to kind of go you know as a viewer you're watching and thinking oh god these people are terribly frivolous and then you sort mm-hmm. of step back and you go 
oh, hang on now. That's, you know, that's not very distant from the world we live in now. And yeah. there's, there's a lot of impressive effects that she does with the compositions and the camera work yeah. and the, everything about the performances. They're very sort of modern and here and now. Yeah. And it, it creates that, that link, the sort of thematic bridge there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, it completely really brings impressive. it all together. Like, really you know, really it's, well. it's very much not a period piece in one way because it has no interest really in no, the actual specifics no. of the history it's, or the politics. But it looks beautiful. Mm. Oh, it's yeah. gorgeous. It's a gorgeous That's, That is my one major complaint that the Lighthouse screened it from a DVD. And yes. I was sitting very near the front and it looked like shit. Like constantly I was there was this, back, so it looked a little this better, shot but probably looks fabulous. I would like to see a 35 millimeter print. Yeah, Maybe it's not available. Or even the DCP. Anything that more than something that's you know meant to be seen in a laptop and it'd be yeah. blown up to a big screen yeah, it's it not great. really compromised it for me mm-hmm. which was heartbreaking yeah. but I'm looking forward to seeing it again which I would gladly do excellent excellent and that's me I haven't seen anything else this week great work so. Grace uh, well in that case story. No. Ronan why you got I'm, I kept the other half of this bottle of wine excellent <laughs> <laughs> you know listen well. for glugging in the background <laughs> Uh, well then, I suppose from one Coppola to another, because I saw Apocalypse Now this week. Oh wow! The oh, final yeah. cut circulating Symmetry. in cinemas for the 40th anniversary. This is kind of weird, right? These cuts. I'm yeah. I'm a little wary of it all. This well, this is the new thing that on the anniversary we can't just re-release the films. We'll do something slightly different. We'll put in a scene, or maybe we'll chop a scene out. Or we'll do something a little different. And in this case, it's both because you have the original cut about two and a half hours. Then Redux was about three and a half hours, I think. It was far, far, <laughs> far too long. This comes in at a neat three hours. Um, and I was thinking, trying to look up my records, um, when I had seen Apocalypse Now previously. I've seen it once before, and I'm not quite sure which reason I saw, because I wasn't properly logging at the time. I'm nearly certain it was the theatrical cut that I would have watched back sometime around maybe twenty. But you never saw the French plantation scene. Yeah, it, it didn't it ring any bells cut. whatsoever, yeah. yeah. Um, I have not seen this film. And it's, I, go on, Ron. Sorry, we'll we'll get sorry, into the meat of it. Continue. I uh, I remember quite liking it at the time, very much being sort of admiring of it, but not necessarily thinking it was incredible. You know, it's never been my favorite Coppola. Uh, much more like something like the Conversation. Um, revisiting it was interesting because there's lots of stuff in here that is great really really great I think it's staggering on occasion like yeah yeah he's been given an enormous budget at that way that you even at that point in Hollywood you know it was 79 Jaws yeah, yeah, and Star Wars yeah, were yeah, out yeah, yeah. you know this this was sort of because of he had started like, making it five years earlier like, yeah. nobody at this point was doing something on that scale or with that ambition and what comes out of it is a mess it's one of those sort of studio sinking heaven's gate type things where you end up with something that is madly ambitious and probably not a great idea I I I will go on record as saying that theatrical cut I think is probably a masterpiece mm-hmm. in the sense that it's coherent yeah, it's yeah. smart it yeah. follows like there's a reason and this is a, a kind of hate of mine I don't like director's cuts and I don't like <laughs> kind of I don't mind it as an extra so you can watch more footage or delete scenes yeah. or if somebody wants to assemble yeah, another cut with five hours and people can the, the tree of life did it there was an extra hour kind of thing and I watched it I bought the Blu-ray it was great but I still like the cut that I have. Yeah. I, I like to see it, but I don't like the idea of definitive cuts. The definitive yeah, yeah, cuts yeah. the film that come out. Yeah. You got the film you got, and the theatrical I think is brilliant because it takes away all the mm-hmm. kind of flab yeah. and unnecessary nonsense to it. I think the problem with how people to some degree view Apocalypse uh, Now for a couple of reasons is the familiarity with it. Everybody knows the Ride of Valkyrie scene. Yeah. It's like it's been lampooned to death and yeah. all these things. It's, it's a very familiar film. Like it, it is, and it takes away from its power for somewhat, and that's unfortunate. It does, in a way, it renders these things as a it joke. It does, and a lot of films have this like yeah, where yeah. if you haven't seen the film you feel like you've seen it because yeah. you've seen all variations of spoofs and all this kind of stuff Completely. and that does happen but I saw it quite a long time ago and I think as a war as hell 
kind of measurement i think it's really brilliant yeah. Yeah, yeah. and gets into the absurdity and it's the, and, and the idea that vietnam is the first rock and roll war mm. and american films have played that up endlessly yeah. in terms of the the first come soundtracks and all that kind of stuff uh i think it does that tremendously well it was only a few years after vietnam war as well yeah, like, yeah. So it's it's really well, it started production when it was sort of you know still kind of the embers still of going it, still, on yeah, 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 yeah. i think it's an incredible film as a yeah. theatrical cut i really do yeah, yeah, yeah. but i have no interest in seeing a three-hour cut yeah, yeah. well i mean i'm, I'm kind of in awe of how it is completely unambiguous in the fact that this war is just utterly immoral yes and hideous and horrible and has no bones whatsoever about showing that which is really impressive for yeah. an american film of the year you don't really you don't really get that very often as um, a filmmaker uh, but i will say it's out there, like. because it's been about possibly 10 years since i've seen the original cut it was a little hard for me to discern what was what here uh there was a in this cut anyway the three-hour cut there's a lot of awful that french plantation scene which is it obviously new to the never two have seen the light of day it's dreadful it's, it's a, it is it's hammering the point something the head of the know. audience yeah, yeah. in a bad accent yes it yeah. is abysmal and has no place in the film no place in any film whatsoever it's truly dreadful there are a couple Strike of other things stupid. i could do without i imagined watching it actually that i could happily see like a two-hour cut but uh, you know i think I, the theatrical works i think yeah you might excise a couple of things from it but i it flows in the yeah, way that yeah, film yeah. should and that's what i love about it, it i think works. the part of the reason the french plantation stands out so badly is because generally the way coppola has made this and you know walter murch had a hand in editing yeah. it as well the great editor um, it flows beautifully. Yeah. It's got this sort of hypnotic, yeah. otherworldly rhythm that is really intoxicating. It. Yeah, yeah. And something like that takes you totally to out of death. it. So these these sort of re-edits, they feel patchy and badly paced in a way that I'm sure the original version is it's probably good. It doesn't. It must, the technical uh, flows. It literally flows yeah, with yeah. the river. And literally, nin in it, yeah. on you go, and yeah, you get yeah. to the destination. And it works edi- in editing ways. It works thematically. It works in every way. Like, there's no reason for it to add more to it. Finally, arrive at drunken Brando. He's actually good. He is even good, though good he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, that may be part weird. of it. Brando is Brando. He's I mean, playing somebody who's given up. So, Brando's a dickhead. Know. Like, oh, I mean, yes, let's, yes. let's not kind of three point five mil for this. And he turned up hundred pounds overweight, is not learning the lines. Or is he just smart? He's a professional. Three point five million. Yeah, to show he's a shit. Did not learn the script. He did in Superman as well. He got like he got two million quid for Superman just for five minutes in Godfather Two, and they were like, yeah, we're not doing that. I did like the Godfather 2 scene where the old It's great. The fact that he doesn't come in yeah, is yeah. even better. I, it actually works. Yeah, uh, it works yeah. really well. Coppola is a really interesting filmmaker. Like yeah. it, he's made undoubted masterpieces. Yeah. He's made some fucking god awful films. Oh, he truly has. Uh, yeah. In the way Twixt, anybody? Twixt is the garbage. worst horror film possibly ever made. Yeah. It's and it goes on for about five. But days. he's got lovely sort of hidden, hit, well, not hidden, but lovely lesser talked about masterpieces like uh, Peggy's Who Got Married and One from the Heart. And I would, uh, I, I, Tucker is really enjoyable. I really like it. Seen uh, a man in the dream. He's like he's done weird stuff in the Cotton Club. I think he's done as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's he's been all over the place. He's never not interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also has that largesse that. Mm means a folly could happen at any given well, moment. Yeah, he was showered uh, with praise at a now, certain like, I mean, young he's, point he's, of his he's life. He's established himself. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. 80, just turned 80, I think, That's recently. Nice. Uh, it's the years have gone by. Yeah. And, like... I'd like to see him knock another film out that's great. I suspect we won't see that. I like Tetro very much. I never saw his new kind of uh, his newer films that he did low budget. I never should watch Tetro. Tetro is really really good. Okay, and very low budget. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What else do I have this week? Uh, So Manhattan Love Suicides, quite a title from 1985. This is actually a compilation of four short films. It's about 40 minutes long and all from. Oh, this is a movie one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's still on movie at the moment. Uh, It's from Richard Kern, a New York uh, experimentalist. 
and the difficult thing with experimental cinema is it needs to be considered in the context of its own time yeah. because mm -hmm. these things what may have been transgressive you know 35 years ago is rapidly less so uh, so watching it now, a lot of it has lost its power. So it kind of you. you That's the way these things. Are. Yeah, yeah, of course. You you have to consider it in the context of its time, and I'm sure this probably had an incredible effect. You know, it is uh, very graphic. There's a lot of um, nudity, a lot of violence, a lot of language. Um, I didn't feel it was particularly effective to any point. Like they're probably the most um, touted of these four, or the third one in the batch, Thrust in Me. It's called. You can imagine where that leads us. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a nice setup, actually. It's uh, one guy plays um, a man and in drag his wife, and there's what? Yeah, there's a suicide attempt in there. There's sort of extreme, um, extreme nudity you get in the course of hang this. On, what's, hang on, what's extreme nudity? Can I come? Yeah, in? is that NSFW or whatever? No, I don't think, think so. It's nudity. like Do we mean like erect full frontal that? male? Ooh. Oh, that's a rare. You don't get to see that. Then, yeah, seventies yeah. like. Well, oh, you're, you know, you're you're in a period where <laughs> Grace immediately gets a movie account. <laughs> <laughs> this is extreme underground. Like this wasn't okay. seen by anyone who wasn't brought into yeah, Richard Curran's yeah, yeah, basement yeah. kind of thing. It, 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 that's a the kind of the kind of you I would see these projected back in the day. But... person when it comes to full frontal. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's you are. Right. You're we need more full frontal. I know, yeah. listen, it should this be This is why movies. we like I, um I can take a leaf full frontal, but it should be both or none. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Was it just last week we were talking about like the eggplant? Yes. Hey. <laughs> Good lord. Okay, and that sorry. film where you couldn't move for all the dick that we were talking about. <laughs> oh, man, that was swinging dicks everywhere. everywhere. The Ann Gonzalez one, yeah. Swinging and indeed not swinging. Yes, indeed, yeah. Um the, this one it's it's very much angling for a reaction and I find watching things like these often you think well you'd only really be shocked by this, be shocked by this if you're a little bit of a prude yeah and you know prudes need to be shocked out of it but they're also not oh, going yes. to sit down to watch a film like this so you have to that's wonder what it's for yeah, yeah. There, there's an interesting point in Thrust in Me where it is like in terms of its content it's quite graphic and shocking and surprising but in its form it's a classical cross-cut drama between two scenes and you kind of think not actually being that surprising and shocking. Uh, interesting is a bit of a historical artifact, and okay. I'm glad Mubi keeps surfacing these things. But yeah, yeah. Not you never know what you're going to see in that regard. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily something I would say go running out to see it. All right. And then a double bill from Italia. Uh, which I which, think I might yeah, have experienced Jay, also. Jay and I have both seen. Um, I urge Jay to watch the first of these because I know him so well. He does. Uh, um, in the Elaine Page kind of sense of the word, <laughs> uh, he does. There's something uh, extremely pure about those messages where it's just like Jay slash Ronan, you should watch this. Immediately movie. calling <laughs> each other like, up quick. I'm pretty, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure when Ronan's going to like something, I'm, I'm going to roll yes, and watch yeah, this yeah. forthwith. We've got like a 90% crossover yeah, where when is, we disagree, oh, we you two disagree are so a little. Cute. We, have, we have great taste is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I wouldn't go that far. I would. Um, this, this I think a, you both have exemplary taste. I would agree. This is No, I promise. I appreciate that. Uh, an Italian fi uh, filmmaker called Pietro Marcello who hey, wait, I, I'd ha I, had, I looked him up in the course of these and realised that I'd seen one of his later features it's mad when you see that though yeah, you've yeah. forgotten completely almost um, like. and I think it's quite likely it was a movie one a couple of months back yeah. um, the other one I'd seen I can't think of the name of it now but it was this weird sort of docu-fiction hybrid that I enjoyed for its sort of singularity but didn't necessarily adore so I sat down a little sceptical to watch this one from 2007 called Crossing the Line which is a straight up documentary uh, it's under an hour long it yes. is shot on trains with these sort of extreme commuters travelling usually from their homes in the south of Italy yep. the the very poor south to um, 
uh, careers in, in, in Rome, north, some of them Rome, going yeah, up just yeah. only yeah. to look for work, yeah. uh, sort of traversing the entirety of Italy. And, and one of them, a sort of old man who, who just lives on the trains yeah, yeah. So because he doesn't for nowhere else to go. And, he, and he's also, it's a bit comfortable and warm and you and meet free, people. He feels and, free. And yeah, there, yeah, yeah. There's a political underlying kind of thing to him. A sense of being on the road I, and, and being able to encounter people. By this. It's uh, this one of the best films I've seen this year. It's astonishing. It is, and it's it's a sort of low camera quality. So at first you're watching it, and you think, "Oh, this is going to be a bit gritty." But he managed to do stuff with the changing light of the night, it, and that sort of in between world. Yeah, and we've all been there when you're on a plane or a train. train. Past and it illuminates people standing yeah. smoking yeah. alongside the windows. On yeah. it's glorious. Sort of the silhouette of people, yeah, yeah. and as the sun rises slowly, the way the day changes yeah. in front of you, and it kind of oh, I found it lovely. And, and lends your perspective on your own like, place. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful, and the interviews he gets are very. He's a he's a bit participatory. He'll talk to people very a tiny though. bit, yeah, not very much at all. But it did remind me, although it's it's quite a different style in that regard. It did remind me a little bit of Varda, the way she would talk to people. It's something like the Gleaners now that she's, yeah. you know, getting down. It's empathetic it. in that way, yeah, like, and yeah, wants yeah. to understand why people are doing what yeah. they're doing. The sort of them speak and the stray them character that you might sort of yeah. walk past any other day, and I, I think especially it's it feels organically to get more fascinated with that old man in particular. Yeah. You start cutting back to him more and more. Yes, Marcello towards the end, he's, knew like, he's, yeah, a, he's a good filmmaker. Yeah. He was like, "This is the story in one of story and his notebook and his stuff he's going yeah. through yeah, yeah, yeah. and his history and you know this sheriff arrested me and put me in jail and now I'm free kind of uh, and without ever going here is the thesis of my film or here are the issues that these people are facing he completely elucidates upon them and creates this great sense of what's going on in their lives and through them more broadly what's going on in one of the characters says at one point and I I might have forgotten the exact Mm -hmm. wording but it's like I live in this city I sleep in this train and I work in another place and this kind of sense of displacement and identity yeah. and, and, and it's a male thing because it's nearly all men that are on yeah. it and this kind of who are we if not yeah. what we represent what we yeah. work to yeah. what we work for it's really interesting yeah. really really fascinating and particularly in Italy where and I'll get to it again when in another film I watched where there's the kind of the masculinity in, mm. in most men but in yes, Italian yeah, men there's yeah, a yeah, kind of very, a pronounced very important cultural yes, aspect and I think that's re- that really fascinated fascinate me in yeah. lots of ways I loved it absolutely yeah. loved it it's, it's really really gorgeous and uh, fascinating considering it came from 12 years ago how yes. much it sort of seems to foretell what would happen in Italy if, in the if, if you told me plus. this was made last year I'd believe yeah, you yeah, yeah. Uh, because it, it, says, it, it sort of things. scratches away at the surface and finds the thing that have since festered into the open yep. these, these enormous cultural divides and economic yep. divides uh, we progress then to his I think his follow up from 2009 The Mouth of the Wolf which is one of these strange things where a documentarian moves slightly to fiction segues right. a little bit I'm a little wary of docu-fiction yeah. that, that yeah, was kind yeah, of a yeah. hybrid yeah. thing and this is a hybrid this, this is, is absolutely a hybrid history documentary yeah. and fiction like melded together into there the is a couple here are they a couple are they acting these are clearly acted scenes but it's is it based on their life it's really fascinating a, formally but it's, it, it gets you really curious. But it never comes together. Uh, it for me, that, that's that's yeah, that's yeah, the problem. Yeah. Like it doesn't lots work. Lots of interesting things about the history of Genoa and yeah. as a port and what a yeah. city was and how people lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have this couple that are part of it and this man who was a proper man's man, if you want, yeah, in, real in, in like Italian mafiosa type. Yeah. And his kind of conversion in prison to he's with this trans woman mm-hmm. after prison. And there's this there's really interesting long shot of the two of them talking. Well, mostly yeah. her talking, and then him it kind of for ages, yeah. which is which I really like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it it doesn't seem part of the same film to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it feels completely detached. Like, yeah. I like a lot of ideas in it. Yeah. It just I'm like, 
why isn't it's not cohesing yeah, yeah, yeah. in a way that you, you cut back to what seems to be a staged acted scene of uh, him being belligerent in a bar and yes. it's like all of the stuff you're getting at here about sort of the aggressiveness of men and, and gender roles is covered in that long shot of them interviewing yeah, you because he's it. sitting yeah. there with his yeah. arms folded scratching his arms and, and showing pure his muscles. defensive and, and, then, yeah, 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 yeah. and then he will sort of butt in and say something a little bit tender you have everything in that yeah. you don't need the framework around it maybe didn't and it really just takes it away from and maybe that's yeah. the point like it didn't yeah. quite yeah. work in that regard but fascinating nonetheless like I didn't hate it I just I was expecting more particularly after crossing the line yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely that. crossing the line was such a sort of tantalising oh my god where are we going here yeah um I will say the the I can't think of the name of it now, but the film I have seen of his from from later in his career is much better. I think he's got a better budget and sort of a better idea of what he's doing. It's a similar sort okay. of. Okay, oh, no, I'll check it out. I'd certainly watch another one of his. Like, cause he's he's moved more towards talent, like. the the fictional side yes. of things, but it works a lot okay. better than this does. And I'm I'm really curious to go see see more of his things. Now. Yeah, hopefully I'm, maybe we'll we'll surface a few more of them. And I think yeah, that's me for the week. Ooh, okay. I've only got in. I've three more. One is in the top ten. I've seen the top ten film. Balloons have fallen from the ceiling. They are not. I well wish done, that was Jay. the case. Uh, so we'll keep that for the top ten. But two others. Uh, I watch. I'll mention. I'm both rewatches. Uh, I watched rewatch Whip It. Uh, Drew Barrymore's <gasps> directorial debut, and I since no other this film. film, Whip It is tremendous. It like is so much the fun. cast is astounding. It's uh, just like this beautiful, energetic breath of fresh air yeah. like it's it's if, if you haven't watched it in a long time you forget how much fun it yes. is it's so vibrant and so beautifully put together yeah. and roller derby is so much fun the and Kristen that, Wiig is exactly, amazing yeah. this is exactly and, it like yeah. the structure like I mean I I when I was younger I used to complain about you know oh this is formulaic or whatever like, mm-hmm. that, and when I got older and realised I was a bit of an idiot when I was younger <laughs> formula and structure is fine it's what you do in between the structure yeah. and mm-hmm. the formula is the thing and this structure here is quite familiar in terms of somebody coming of age and wanting to yeah. get out from the small town into like the, the almost the little prodigy city. story yeah, yeah yeah and it's great and that, that I've seen that story countless times but I've rarely seen it this, done this yeah. well and with this much deft uh, direction and really empathetic wonderfully smart direction about what these women face mm-hmm. constantly and it, there's so many little touches to it that I really love uh, uh, Shawkat and Ellen Page are the oh, best double act I would watch the two of them goofing around in any film together they're mm-hmm. so good together like I was like I want them to get together like as a kind of couple like, they're this, is, this is on my list with like say Bring It On and a bunch of other yes. films where it's just like compulsory heterosexuality has ruined this movie <laughs> yeah. not that it's actually ruined it because it's, it's still wonderful but and I like the, like, guy the in icing the... on the cake would have been you know hello you two are obviously perfect for each other <laughs> but I kind of like the, the, the guy that the manager in the uh, I can't think of his name who's Miguel is it Who's the manager in the cafe they both work in? And oh, yeah. Ali Shoka mm-hmm. gets together him, and he she, like the next time you see him, he's like he's in shitty office <laughs> massages, and he's got hair out of whack, and he's like the cool dude. Also, he's being transformed like a butterfly because mm-hmm. somebody's taking interest, in, which I kind of love because it's always <laughs> other way, right? And, yeah, and then yeah. the guy is like has blossomed into a princess, like in that yeah. sense, like. Which oh, I really see this and then. touches like that make a really, really difference. Like it's like it totally guesses, and it, it doesn't call attention to it, mm. but it's there, like and. Mm-hmm. The, it's really well shot it's really heartfelt it's really really funny and Kristen Wiig is fantastic I love Kristen oh, Wiig she's so, good. so much and I would marry her tomorrow oh, who if wouldn't? I could but the, oh. the two sisters who are kind of uh, 
deaf tough girls in the team like who beat the shit out of people and they call the I think they call the the Manson sisters and or something like that. But they're it's a reference to Slapshot, the Paul Newman film, which is the Hanson brothers who kick the shit everybody in ice hockey. And they're it Slapshot's great by the way, it's one of the great seventies mm-hmm. violent weird films. But it, it uh Brian Moore is obviously aware of this and it's a lovely little reference mm. and, and but changes it completely like and mm-hmm. uses it in a much more interesting way is in that kind of as opposed to just nodding at something. It's it's done really, really well. There's so much of, and why haven't got more Barry Moore films? Yeah. Like this, I, I want to see. I would watch another one tomorrow. And also to pick something like this, like roller derby, is this kind of like iconic representation of the counterculture, where it's always been so open to yeah. like mm. people of differing identities and different genders yes. and so on and so forth. And, and nobody just, can pass an eyelid, like yeah. And it's like this sort of low key violence, which is actually incredibly dangerous. When yeah, you yeah. Down into people it. hurt but themselves. So electrifying and so much fun to watch, and a real like just such a fun thing for yeah. women to be able to do, especially on screen. Yeah, and the other thing I'll mention just on that, like mm-hmm. her parents are played for by Marcia Gay Harden and Daniel Stern, who are just oh, fabulous. Oh, absolute dotes. That that relationship that she has with her mother is wonderful. To it me. is. It the really way is. she's it's trying to tread and the line really between like being respectful and being like empathetic towards her mother's wishes while trying yeah. to pursue things yeah. that make her happy. It's in really time. good. Like, it's, oh. Plus, has Juliette Lewis. Julia Lewis is amazing at this. She's the villain, but she's not really a villain either. She just. No. It's know, just the way she rocks up it. and she's just so Juliet Lewis. She's like, huh. And she looks like yeah. she would fucking <laughs> own her. you. And I love I her love to death. Her. Like, it's like, why isn't it more Juliet Lewis? I love this film. You should watch with it. I it's really want to watch this now. It's, it's so, so much fun. It you really would love is. it. You would love it. Um, and the other film I watched uh, for the 500th time was uh, Rage of Bull. Uh, oh, I did not get to it this week. I, I will watch it before next week. Uh, I will. I won't, I won't say too much about it in that regard, except to say... In the way of these things, I've watched this a lot of times. I've seen it many, countless times in cinema and lots of times at home. And the mark, to my mind, of a great film is finding new things in it over and over and yeah. over and mm-hmm. digging out things that uh, people get at. And there's one scene, and I'm not going to go into too much, Grace, I don't want to kind of ruin it, but it's a kind of uh, somebody sees somebody after not seeing it for quite a long time. And there's this kind of weird, kind of awkward hug that speaks volumes about how men perceive other men and family members and how they can't countenance the idea that you know if you just grab them really tightly that'll say sorry in ways that yep. you know words won't say it or pride won't say it and it, yeah. it really gets at that and it's the whole film gets at that because it's a really really interesting kind of scalpel sharp look at that kind of impotent male rage that mm-hmm. exists in the world and the kind of violence within that and the self-loading within that and the fact that like De Niro spends quite a few times in the film looking at himself in the mirror and it's not with love or admiration it's mm-hmm. absolutely with contempt, violent really? self-loading like mm-hmm. real kind of contempt for his inability to escape his own head mm-hmm. you know and I, I think just what makes the film the film like it's not and what people always saw as, as some sort of kind of by epic and, and, and it's not yeah. in the sense because like, Scorsese knows that if you put everything that Jake Lamont did and Jake Lamont was a bad man like he yeah. perhaps murdered somebody and he was extremely, extremely and it, it doesn't shy away from that some, some stuff's quite harrowing it but he comes at it at an angle to try to understand why men like that do the things they do yeah. Yeah. it doesn't really have any up. interest in Jake no he doesn't Lamont. I just care about boxing yeah. either it's like yeah. seven minutes boxing uh, and it's really beautifully shot but it, it doesn't yeah. really care about boxing because yeah. the, the violence is outside the ring the violence in your head the, mm. the, mm-hmm. the rage to not be yourself or be yourself and they, even the whole thing about you know the insult in that kind of Italian American community at the time was like you know 
if you're not a man, you're a faggot. Like that's the whole thing. Like yeah, you know, you, yeah, like, yeah, yeah gay. Absolutely. And then I grew yeah. up in that kind Which of area. Which is the opposite like, of a man, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. Of course, because yeah, yeah. then how could you be a man and gay? Like, but that and and it really kind of searches that kind of thing of what does it actually mean? And it's it's fascinating in that regard. Like I think it's brilliant. Like it's my favorite film for a long time, and it, it's right up there still. Like it hasn't gone away, and I've probably seen films that are better than it, but it's a lot it's yeah. brilliant it's like it's really really brilliant and I'm sad and weird lonely little masterpiece like it's a strange whole, film um, Grace's whole Scorsese project has me wanting to revisit a lot but I really want to revisit this one it's been about 10 years yeah I'd, I'd be fascinated if you could revisit it as well so we can have a big yeah hope big Scorsese loving like, yeah yeah it, it's <laughs> remarkable like, I like. am very intrigued by this because I think I, I have a lot of respect for Scorsese as a filmmaker even at this juncture and a lot of respect for De Niro as an actor at least back in the day no no he was, so I'm, he was unreal I'm back in the day very like. intrigued to see how this is handled because yeah. you know how sometimes you hear these stories of like very sort of toxic masculine traits and, yeah. and you know how that sort of plays out in society and the impact it has on people around the character in question and sometimes you would hear of a story like this in the hands of a certain director and it would just make you cringe and you'd be like oh I just don't trust them to explore yeah. that in any kind of nuanced or sensitive sure. way but I feel like Scorsese has a better rep for this and, and certainly De Niro as an actor has a lot of depth and nuance to the way that he approaches things or at least used to but the thing mm. is so, I think um, the thing about that is though so, is yeah, that I'm people mistake that see how I respond to it there's a lot of people that take Scorsese at his word as it, exactly yes. that yeah. and this happens a lot it's happened to a lot of those films I think years Wolf after it gets corrected yes exactly that and Goodfellas as well yeah. and various yeah. others like he's very interested in how men are and why they are yeah. and, and very much at himself as well because he was a bit of a bollocks in the 70s oh, like, absolutely cheat on his wife snorting a lot coke. of cocaine yeah. had a for endless affairs but I think that's fair though because I don't think it's realistic to expect people to be complete saints either no no and no I absolutely think, not and I think yeah, he was I that way yeah I think a problem that we have in many ways with the contemporary way that we look at a lot of different people mm-hmm. in the public eye and we expect them to have lived a completely unblemished life and then just ignore the fact that you know as a human being you are never going to be completely yeah. non-problematic yeah, yeah, yeah. you're always going to do something that's a bit offensive because that's yeah. just what humans do like, as long none of us as you have the ability to interrogate that intelligently yeah. well I think Precisely. the, thing, for you. It's the, the thing, way you reflect on that and you grow from yeah. it and yeah. learn from it and, and like, thing, that says more about you as a person mm-hmm. I think, the thing about Scorsese with this is that he was in hospital uh, for because he asthma and cocaine didn't really mix uh, <laughs> where he, he nearly, shockingly he felt like he was going to die and uh, De Niro brought the book to him the they take him out a book about it and said we should make this and Scorsese's like well if we're going to do it, we're going to do it full on and I'll probably never work again he wasn't he's it's like I, his this is film, my yeah. penance it was basically his penance for a bad life led was his kind of I was going to throw everything at that how old would he, be? he, would would he have been uh, he was born I think in this 40 so he'd, he'd probably have been near up to about 40 years of age so he's not even that old. No, at least in the 70s now. Like, well into the 70s what, but no. what came right, right after it actually? Uh, after Rage Bull was I think the King of Comedy Oh, yeah, which is uh, just a total change of but, pace. But right? Rachel Bull, I think, uh, was cathartic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it allowed him to move on because his 80s are very, he never very different from everything he, else. He, I think it lightened up. Like, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, Scorsese yeah. always wanted to be a priest when he was younger. Like, yeah. that was one of his things. Like, he was he was very... Super Catholic. Yeah, and, like, that guilt carried through a lot of the 70s work hugely. Yeah. And then Rachel Bull as well. And it's only when he got over himself and kind of gave, gave himself a break that his films came a little looser, a little more fun, a little weirder, a little yeah. stranger. But, it, like, I think he's... A, He's a fascinating filmmaker in that regard. There's lots of interesting things, and he's not just one thing, the gangster mm-hmm. filmmaker, or whatever the thing is people have like yeah. to box yeah. him into, because I think it's really simplistic. 
But I think that's so interesting, you know, from the like from the outside looking in, as somebody who hasn't seen a lot of his films yet, that yeah. you kind of think of him as, as being sort of, you know, certain people talk about him as being almost pigeonholed in a certain way, and it's like, yeah. it's very hard to marry that image of somebody who's associated, for whatever reason, yeah. with a certain type of film. Um, and then when you look at his films, and they're so groundbreaking in so many yeah. ways, oh, like yeah. visually, they're so stylish, yeah. and there's such an eye there and a real flair and a real kind of originality and something that's very distinctive and it's very hard to align that in your head with yeah. the way people talk about him like it's it really doesn't feel even as somebody who's not overly familiar with his work as yet it doesn't feel like he's somebody that you could think of as churning out the same thing no, over and definitely over again not. whereas a lot of other directors could be fairly accused i think of doing that and do do it so like. yeah, I yeah I'm, I'm very intrigued to see there's one really interesting thing this. in it in a technical skill sense that i won't mention it but i'll be intrigued to talk about it after you watch it it's it's really interesting. Hmm. Well, we'll we'll get to that. I should get to it this weekend, so hopefully Excellent. I'm really next week we should have a chance to see it. Right, and then you can pick three more films, oh. and then we'll we'll go from there. The Scorsese film will continue apace. Grace means Marty. Finally, <laughs> hashtag twenty nineteen. The, the Italian American grandpa I never had. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all want that? I know. Right, film news. Are you ready, people? We're I'm ready. ready. Uh, the best news of the week. Oh God. Although I don't live in Toronto, so it's not that great a news. Uh, Pat Collins, my favourite <gasps> filmmaker. Oh, yes. All-time genius, lovable, gorgeous, wonderful <laughs> filmmaker of a man. Close personal friend of Jay. Pat I Collins. wish. My dream. <laughs> His new film, Henry Glassy Fieldwork, it's a documentary, uh, is uh, premiering at TIFF. Um, if you've heard me banging on about Pat Collins enough and Ronan as well, He's, 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 he's astonishing uh, this is the uh, folklorist Henry Glassie who I'd never really heard of I've got to be honest with you mm -hmm. uh, this is a kind of portrait of him uh, and he's in his 70s now so it's a kind of an older life and looking back at his kind of work I think and it, this was one of these um, films funded from Screen Ireland and the Arts yeah. Council and it looks really, really great in the way Pat Collins this, um, always look really, really sounds great. like he's he's done like obviously I'm sure we'll get something completely different, but uh, Tim Robinson Connemara is kind of the thing that yes, might, which might really be in like, the vein yeah, of, which is a tremendous yes. film and a great sort of portrait of not even an artist, portrait of somebody whose whose work has taken on the sort of airs of art because it's yeah. so detailed and, and so and that and that kind of inexplicable mm. uh, thing that Collins does where how much of uh, art is about the land and the yep. landscape yeah, yeah. which is yeah. an obsession in that sense in it's a lot of his films I'm very intrigued by that as, you know, especially coming from an Irish perspective I think and the way land is so I think you'd love a lot of oh, watch Song of Granite the, yes, please. Please. okay Pat Collins comes after oh, <laughs> Grace meets Pat Collins I can't wait for this day <laughs> and remember you have your Nancy Myers I do and we'll be getting back to mm -hmm. I almost watched um, it's complicated the weekend but I will be oh. watching this week so we'll talk about it next Heather week. keeps asking me about it and she's just like why is he watching anything I'm disappointing her, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> Tell her it's complicated. We'll be t discussed next week. I've said it on the podcast. Oh, really? It must be commitment. True. I've committed to it. But uh, yes, uh, there's a few films at Toronto. Pat Collins, a new one. Mm -hmm. I cannot wait. Give it to me now. Yes. <laughs> uh, in speaking of Irish film news, uh, the Irish Irish Film Institute have announced the Dogfest uh, listings, uh, including a <laughs> a the best is it best for death. I I always mix them up. The the best uh, for death. Yes, there's two. Uh, Paul Dwan's had three films out this year. It's either, hard to if keep they up, show either of them, go God. see it for God's yes. sake. They're both it's, great. Yes, he's, it's Best Before working. Death is uh, is great. Uh, we death saw it at Galway. Uh, it's about Bill Drummond of KLF fame and his 
bizarre trips around the world and his own art projects and he makes cakes and knocks on people's doors and gives them cakes it's he creates cake circles there it's, it's very strange this, give me a cake? He, he might give you, he might if he does the Dublin cake circle the screening in Dublin will, will have Phil Drummond, Drummond and Tam Dean Bourne performing White Saviour Complex wow. uh, which is which could be anything a it's, sort of really fascinating meta thing because that play is in the film yes so it's, part of it, it really so folds in on film, itself film, film, it folds in there's a lovely I'm, I'm I haven't seen the IFI website this list. sounds glorious <laughs> uh, go so, to this Grace uh, go. That's, that's one of the things and we saw Galway there's a couple of other Galway things I think uh, Peter Kelly's Journey to the Edge uh, is showing as well which is a uh, a film about circumnavigating the globe, oh, yeah. uh, which I think people like. Yes, I'd love people to do that. Like to do that. People would like. I'd I would love, love to, to do this genuinely. That. If I could get in a boat and circumnavigate if the globe, somebody could I would pay love me it. what I'm earning now to do nothing or circulate circle the globe, I would be very happy. That's fair. You really you learn a lot about yourself when you're just exposed to pure nature. Fucking hey. I you don't. Really do. I'm not crazy about boats. I like boats. Yeah. I'm terrified I, I of the ocean. Before the plane. Fascinated by it. You don't get a pleasure. great kitchen on a boat. Do a, no, that's true. Do a cruise. That's true. Cruises are amazing yeah. and terrifying and terrible, mm. but kind of amazing. Anyway, also Seamus Murphy, who had this documentary about PJ Harvey and the making of her album, oh, okay. Money, is shown as well. That, I think that was in Galway as well, which I'd missed. Mm. Uh, I've heard really good things about it. And it's opening with the amazing Jonathan documentary, which is one of these kind of blurs the lines between illusion and reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a magician, comedian, uh, who give, was given a year to live and retires from public life, only to find himself still alive a few years later and making a comeback. Uh, which sounds really interesting. Uh, so yeah, Dockfest uh, uh, tickets eleven fifty. The opening film, the Mason Jonathan documentary, is fifteen euro because the post show reception. And nice. Paul Dwan's uh, best board ads eighteen euro with a live performance. So I, I highly, highly recommend I that one. Yes, you can. What you're and a special multi film pass available in person only from the IFI boxes box office. Five films for fifty euro, which is pretty fair enough. Nice. Yeah. And there's always good films at Dockfest. I've been to yep. a few times. Uh, I've ugly cried at uh, certain documentaries Ooh. that's happened uh, Well, I over think the it's years. universally acknowledged it's a genre of film we do quite well. We do, so, we do it yeah. incredibly yeah. well. Irish documentaries uh, in a really great place. So get to observing. it. Uh, the wine has gone to my head now, I'm sorry. I'm not hey! You're being very nice, Grace. That's some wine must be gone to your head. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't right. Don't say anything about, like, Quentin Tarantino or something and we'll be fine. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino releases 10 best films from the lads, but we didn't. Um... <laughs> The one thing actually uh, Niall sent on to me today, which I wasn't aware of, uh, a small film festival called the Bleeding Pig Film Festival, mm-hmm. uh, which back to yes, the fourth I am edition. This. this is I mean either ninth uh, to the eleventh of September in a pub, uh, Keelings of Dunabate, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting. It's a uh, Managed by Emma Fagan, who runs the film, and she's been on this Has podcast, been on the podcast uh, the past. before. Friend of the uh, show. <laughs> Friend of the show. The festival is uh, bringing independent cinema to local communities and debate and surround areas and to open discussion between filmmakers and audiences, which is a laudable it's, uh, uh, thing. It's a really lovely idea, and there was a great laudable selection of, uh, of shorts there yes. last year, some really interesting stuff, mainly about kind of local stories, yes. which is really, really great to see. So I'm, I'm looking forward so to seeing what they have cooked up films, and, the, and one of them will be uh, all presented by women one the night yes, of their uh, films is which is great and the festival have a launch an opening night reception invite only at 6.45 on Monday the 9th September and uh, all the screens are free better check my and I think the third night has a feature but yet to be announced uh, so you can check out the Bleeding Pig Film Festival Facebook event page and website and there's a Bleeding Pig Cultural Festival so you can get, get on, on that, that. it sounds really interesting uh, you know. what? I like to do on prayer 
impersonations of a Northern Irish accent. Take the wine away <laughs> and from And say Grace. things uh, like butte and flower. Flower is good. Flower is fantastic. <laughs> I'm very like. sorry to literally everyone in Northern Ireland. Ah, <laughs> oh, poor Northern Ireland has to put up with this. We love you. My two best friends are literally from Northern Ireland. Are they though? Yeah. Not anymore. After they that, are though. <laughs> after that destruction of the language, uh, Grace. Down in Derry. Ooh. Are we ready for the top ten? Let's yes. do it. Right. Oh God, are we ready? The no, we're not. Uh, at number ten, right. Annabelle is coming home out of the top ten. I think. Would she uh, ever go? You know, you know, it's you know, it's people like this kind of shit. Like, they do. Yeah, they do. They do. And we it's don't. Though. I haven't like, seen it. Honest, fairly, we haven't so seen it. I'm sure it's pretty. It might be a masterpiece. It's, it's not a masterpiece. It's not a masterpiece. <laughs> Uh, and I've lost my page. Uh, anyway, yes. Um, <laughs> at nine. At nine. I can't, I can't find the ten page. Notes, listeners. Speaking of nine and terrible films, I should leave the top ten. Yesterday, um, the oh, Danny Boyle, Richard Curtis atrocity oh, that's made nearly a million quid. You <laughs> shame on you people. Nine hundred fifty-four thousand and probably make a million quid. I am disgusted with all of you. For Heather's capsule review. Uh huh. Heather, did she like it? I think she generally thought it was okay overall. Oh. Then I think we still haven't had any type of conversation. You do. Well, I don't Stern think she words. thought it was Please great. Do it she on did air. say it was very English, which ah. is an insult, Ugh. obviously. Ugh. But About I mean, if, if there's sorry, it, if it's a it's choice a between that love, actually. and I don't know, yes. like The Revenant, then you're probably gonna watch Yesterday. Let's be real. I probably would actually. I wouldn't watch The Revenant again. No. That's two hours. I'd look life. up I'm which is shorter. Yeah. I would watch a twelve-hour quarter to Revenant or Richard, watch a Richard. Heavens Chris above, Jimmy. Not a chance. Lily James. I've said it. Nah. Fuck Lily James and Richard <gasps> Curtis. I've said it. <gasps> yeah, sorry. Jay. I love Lily James, but Richard Curtis. It's unforgivable. That is completely uncouth. I know. I apologize. And I love Lily James. For? It is without couth. I will. It is. I will watch. Uh, Mamma Mia two. Here we go again. To yes. Let's that. move along before Jay says anything right. else. That's number troubling. eight. I'm sure Ronan has caught this in the last week. Oh Christ! The art of racing in the rain, aka why haven't you watched the dog movie, Ronan? Uh, because it looks weird. And yeah, Milo Ventimiglia, like for the record, Milo Ventimiglia is not a good actor. No, you, I know you don't like, but it has Amanda Seyfried. She's fantastic. It has Kevin Costner as the voice of as the voice of the Enzo. dog. And That's Kevin Costner as Enzo. the dog. Because Enzo. 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 That's the chef's name. For the love of God. Mamma mia. From, Listen to this, right? A dog named Enzo recalls the life lessons he has learned from his race car driving owner, Denny. Would well, you we could all stop? Denny? Is Denny. Denny played by Milo? He's played by a sausage. <laughs> Denny? Sorry. That's a ridiculous That's a sausage joke oh for everyone there. Excuse uh, me. Right. We're moving on from uh, that nonsense. At seven, Playmobil. The Yellow Pack Lego movie as I described the last week. I'm going to stick to that. It's made 37 grand. I suspect we won't see too much of it. No. Uh, Good riddance. Yeah, I don't think we Go back to school, it. kids. An animated feature film inspired by the Playmobil brand toys for adults. Nobody has ever Christ. been inspired by these things. Not especially the filmmakers. Don't do drugs, hey. kids. Indeed. At number six, Spider-Man Far From Home. Not the worst. 3.1 million quid. That's not really filming confidence. It's been forever, isn't it? It's fine. It's not Honestly, the, it's entertaining. It's grand. It is, is that what you're saying? Okay. It's maybe a little bit above grand, but that depends. No. On is it better than Homecoming? Quite grand. Because I wasn't fussed by Homecoming. I think they're about the same, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. I'm skipping it. They're both too long. Anyway, I yeah, I, I, I'd agree but, with you. But they both have Tom Holland, who's very charming and cute. So. Uh, that's true. He is. Mm-hmm. Right, are you ready for number five? Yes. Because I might have seen number five. Oh. At five... Blinded by the light. Ah, yes. Jay has seen a top ten movie. Woo! The balloons are coming down again. This is fantastic. Um, We've run out of wine. The balloons have. are fantastic, or the film is. The balloons. Um, no, the film's good. I right. 
I saw the trailer to Blind Will Light a few weeks ago and I thought this looks dreadful. Never did uh, you feel I mean, dre- I, I judge that all the time. But you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> no, there's uh, a lot of great films. There are. No, there absolutely are. I completely agree. And I was like, God, oh, this looks generic and shite and I'm never watching it, right? So, cut to Niall loved it. He saw Galway. It was his favourite film of the year. He interviewed Gorinda Charter who directed it. And I was like, all right, I'd better see it then for the love of God. Plus it goes on to my 52 films with women list. So, you know, yep. it's a win-win. So, yesterday afternoon, I said, we'll go along. And I loved it Woo. Uh, a fantastic film again we talked about earlier about structure and films this is the that kind of story of a young guy who wants to escape his small town sure. uh, to you know go to university become a writer all the kind mm-hmm. of stuff that you've seen before in films elevated by various things one he's a Pakistani young guy so he's fighting against the kind of parents who are traditional and came from Pakistan to kind of start a new life in Britain and he wants to you know, get away from the family business and all that kind of sure. stuff. It's also set in nineteen eighty seven, so Thatcher's Britain features uh Ooh. spits on the ground. Uh Thatcher's <laughs> Britain like features No but it, but it is but it, <laughs> but it and and the National Front uh Oh uh, yeah. so this is this is not fun in the sense it is like there's great sequences that are joyous and wonderful sure. together and like musical. It's not a musical but it's sim it seems yeah. lifted wholesale from musical to the to the tunes of Bruce Springsteen. Um but this has darkness around the edge of it and around the edge of town, if you will. Uh, sorry, that's a Springsteen lyric for anybody else. I know, God well, damn I was it, that was a better say, joke. I, mean, I think that's a fair reflection that there's a lot of darkness running through Springsteen's lyrics. Yes, there is. Which opinion. a lot of people who aren't familiar with him yeah. don't They think realize. Born in the USA is a, you know, yeah. a nat- and US if you, anthem if and all the rest of it. you beneath the surface of a lot of Springsteen songs, there's a real undercurrent of melancholy. And blue collar uh, hardship. And particularly his father, I think his father had mental illness and struggled yeah. with okay. get jobs and stuff like that. So it, That's so it's one it. of the things that he covers in his biography about how he was never particularly interested in, in taking loads of drugs or drinking a lot because yeah, of the way it affected it. his father. Yeah. Yeah, so. and that's exactly and this and what I really like about this film is that although he's a, a Pakistani young fella, he doesn't want to listen to the parents' kind of bonga. I think it's called bonga bonga music mm-hmm. that he calls it, like it's a kind of dismissive way that young people yeah. have. And his friend gives him Bruce Springsteen tapes and it's you know Walkman all the rest of it. And he listens to it and it and it speaks to him in the way universally music speaks to everyone, like and crosses all sorts of boundaries and gen- generations and all. And can do that. And the wonderful idea of somebody in New Jersey who struggled in life can speak to you in Luton in the mid 80s like yeah. and I really like that but it pulls that together thematically in the film in the sense that these people are fighting against racism and you know the idea that you shouldn't be here and go home which is very speaks to now kind of stuff yeah. which Springsteen is also still kind of does kind of um, benefits and all this kind of stuff like he's still very much involved in that kind of stuff and it, it really pulls it all together and Vivek I think Carol, Calra I think is the young guy's name he's fantastic and I think you need the, the lead to kind of really sell the hell out of it and he really really does and it's this kind of it's really optimistic and has this kind of urgent plea for optimism in a world that doesn't really care for it mm-hmm. and the idea that we need to put the work in and be happy and you know love is important and these all these things are matter in a world where it's increasingly shitty and increasingly yeah. woeful and but it does that by linking the kind of enjoyment of all music and all that with the terrible things that's going on and it, it links it all together really really well which is the kind of strength of the film i really really like that are you making noises grace that's what's I happening am, over there i am it's the wine I'm it sorry. is the wine but uh i really really like it uh, and absolutely recommend it. it's still going around uh it's still be there for a little while i suspect I may get around to see, seeing it, <laughs> even. Good lord, Grace. No hiccups allowed in this film. At four, 
the Angry Birds movie too. Roman, you have seen it. I really love this. I <laughs> thought I was really impressed by how angry the birds were. Yeah. Twice. Beautiful review. Oh, fantastic. You do capsule reviews. They dialed up the anger for the second <laughs> they installment. They did. That, I, well, I didn't expect it, but they did. You really thought after the denouement of the previous <laughs> film that we would have happy birds. But that's just not how life works. Absolute top-notch you know? use of denouement. Yeah. I'd just like to say. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Well done, Ron. Great review. Thank you. Thank At you. three, Toy Story 4, uh, which is still looking about five and a half million. And it's probably it's I think very it's, high I think it's top threatening towards the all time in Ireland because uh, people love Toy Story people love they animation do. people love and the kids have not been to school for a very long time yes, this is but true. they will soon be going back to school yeah uh, traffic will be terrible learn something uh, you nerds it will yeah at two speaking of nerds uh, Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw <laughs> Grace, have you seen what this? Grace, how have you not seen this? I'm You're getting around. You're the Fast and Furious stan of the group. I am. Like. But I said to you last week, I think that, um, see, I'm a big fan of the actual Fast family. Ooh. Not so much the spin-off character. We haven't seen it yet. Characters, even. I'll get around to it at some stage. Okay. But at some stage, for me, it could be like a year from now. Fair. <gasps> yeah, same as me. Once I watch the other 25 films. You're not the, doing that, are you? Uh, Jay, you're so it's all close. uphill from here. You only have what it's four, five, lies. six, it's seven, and eight to propaganda watch. Own. Oh, they're all great after the four, first four films. But it is, How is that it's, possible? It's all uphill from here. Stop genuinely. it, Grace. Stop. Stop. I just want you to get to six. Six is my favorite. Oh Jesus! Okay. And once you get to six, then I'll lay off you. I don't care if you watch seven or eight. But have two more to watch. But five and that six are like the best lot. ones. All right, okay. I will watch five someday soon. Please watch six. I will. Uh, yeah. Okay. At one, are we ready? What is What's one in there? actually? A king of lines, what? which what? has made five point line king. Jesus. Ah. Oh. It's made five point two million, which is also probably threatening Whatever the top said ten that as I well. Whatever you said, I thought you meant lines as yeah. in like, like words. Yeah. A line king. Yeah. Yeah. The deliverer the, the of line that gives lines. Uh, yeah, he's a king. That's line. really boring. Five point two million. This is also no. probably threatening the top ten as well. That's this quite a lot of money. Disney. Awful. Earn too much money. They're they're bad people uh, that's all I'm going to say about that uh, I'm not going to see either of them fuck that shit um, I have no interest in this film good I've boy. been traumatised once by the Lion King and that was an enough yes I think you're right I was about I, six or seven though, I am yeah. with you on this uh, I'm, I'm going to say this as well I didn't particularly care for the Lion King <gasps> right that was a perfect hiccup <laughs> I, I liked it but I, I didn't I don't get the love I saw it when I was under 10 I haven't seen it since I don't really remember I, it Ron there's so many films I want you to go back to your kind of 2012 list rewatch everything oh, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. want to see your shock face all the time. I watched too many films in 2012 to rewatch them all you watched like a thousand films <laughs> ridiculous God, man. what a wasted life I'm tired I'm just listening that. to that <laughs> anyway are we ready for the new release? Like let's do it a day? are you ready for new release Grace I am you Hit pause me. those hiccups you get Hit ready me. I'm storing right. them up Starting with the big release of the week, I oh guess. Quentin Tarantino's Once Ugh. Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm saying nothing. Hashtag 161 minutes. Um, I haven't seen this. I did plan on going to see this uh, last night, but then Liverpool were playing, so didn't. that didn't happen. Uh, I will see I it over the weekend. The right decision. I'll see it over the weekend, though, and I will have an opinion next week. I uh, saw the trailer for this before Marie Antoinette last yeah, night like. for the first time. Okay. Because uh, you all know that I don't go anywhere near trailers and I'm worried. Let's see what happens. Okay. Are you going to go and see it? Yeah. 
I will well, have, I will have seen it for next week. I'm not going to see it. Oh, okay. The last two Tarantino movies have been absolute yeah. tripe. Yeah. So I, I was going to, going after to The Hateful Eight, I kind of put my foot down and said, I'm not doing this. But it's sort of been the overall consensus. Everyone seems to like it at least a little bit. So that's kind of won me back over. I will go at some point during the week, but I'm not happy about it. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know why, but I will see it. Because um, I, want, I, want, I want to kind of... And You're the trailer isn't bad. I have I, I had some qualms. I'll be too, but I it's stylish. It looks like it'll be fun. Yeah, it does. The only part, part of this movie I'm interested in is Dewey Crow from Justified as Charles Manson. Oh, he's so great. My he God, he's great. In I love him. Justified, he's so fantastic. I, love I agree. I, I agree. love Justified. Uh, but and yeah, that's it. I don't care about anything else. Tune in next week where we'll have in capital letters opinions. <laughs> Um, Unless we miss and it. And I will be sitting yeah. here hiccuping. Which is uh, likely. Grace will be hiccuping on a fifth bottle of wine then. Uh, <laughs> mini bottles on my dad, not full bottles. Just, you know, for, you know, you know, make good choices, people. Yeah, only one litre. There you go. To be precise. Um, another film that's been released, and this, this we've talked about this before, uh, it's called Mission Mangal, which is one of these uh, Hindu films that Cineworld, you seem yes. to have it quite Makes a few. Uh, yeah, and they make and this one is screening, I think, two or three times uh, per day for the next week. Oh, it well. seems to be taken off, and it's uh, based on the true events of the Indian Space Research Organization launching the Mars Orbiter mission, uh, the least expensive mission to Mars. Uh, well, and well. sounds really interesting in the way, like, and this seems to happen quite a bit now that City World are obviously aware uh, of, an audience of their audiences and they do Polish films and various yeah. uh, Indian yeah. Polish films have been going strong films for a long, long like time yeah, yeah they have and they make top 10 regularly as well yeah. and this may well do next week depending on how many screens it has yeah. um, I don't know much about it beyond that except it sounds interesting enough and mm. I, it's good to see uh, really good to see in terms of uh, kind of having variety on, on screen yeah uh, speaking of variety on screen oh Dora the Explorer and the Lost City of Gold is that ah. this week? yes what? Yes. The, the, the Explorer movie? This is a feature film as well. This is not a. It's not animated. This is not animated. Oh, stop. Uh, it's live action. Also, the interesting thing about it is a couple of things. One, the reviews have been surprisingly good that it's actually a really solid start to a potential franchise kind of thing. Okay. Uh, the second thing about it, there was the creepiest fuck review. I was going to say, there was that notoriously. In, in like, America for review. one of the reviews where it kind of sexualizes the main character oh, a little Christ, bit. Of course. Which, you know. It's not great. There's because we literally can't have any nice things. No. None allowed whatsoever. There's certain things in American film critics that this has happened before. Mm. Uh, we all know who they are. Uh, where you get kind of these reviews that are kind of borderline fucking yep. obscene yeah, yeah. and disgusting. Uh, and now particularly around the young women We need films. to ban uh, middle-aged male critics basically is what you're saying. I Did would you? not let me near a, did you see the review this week uh, of a Sally Rooney novel that mentioned her voluptuous lips? Oh Jesus! Well, the books there's a <laughs> there's a thing about uh, men writing women uh, Twitter account yeah. which is really great because we all it's, keep a purse in our vag. It's, it's yeah, and various descriptions <laughs> of breasts in our collective vages. Hey, if you haven't kept a purse in your collective vag, Grace, Fuck what are you doing? Sake. Yeah, there's a lot of it. So. That's what it's for. <laughs> And keeping bats in, or you smell your bats in. It's not what it is, love. I'm not even just now. No, I keep waiting the bats. You keep the bat in the purse in your. I would ah, love to be able go, to unleash a, like a whole At least the bats. stream of them. <laughs> but no, that's not how it works. No, balls. Sadly, so to speak. Uh, we need to redesign careful. the bats. Key is stored in the balls. <laughs> is that the thing? Was there for a while ago. Oh, <laughs> what a world. People are. What idiots. have we done? Um, okay, let's move on. Let's. Uh, good boys, which is a. 
group of young boys on the cusp of becoming teenagers embark on an epic quest in the San Fernando Valley to fix their broken toy before their parents go home apparently as this Jacob Tremblay it, that's the Jacob Tremblay yes, one which I've is, seen him on the poster what is he coming of age now or something yeah, yeah he's, he's like yes. he's a Ooh, terrifying voice you know, uh, you know Mr. Peterson it's happened again <laughs> that kind of stuff um, Jacob Tremblay is 25 now yeah. <laughs> Grace is shocked into a uh, 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 hiccup there amazing amazing uh, I don't know much about this except the reviews seem to be solid enough yeah it's good, uh, it's quite entertaining quite from the yeah. word uh, a bit more sensitive than the usual yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. which films seem to be a little That's more good. aware of that kind of thing now yeah. thankfully uh, so we won't avoid you know the collective embarrassment of American Pie 10 years later kind of yeah, thing absolutely. which is good uh, so yeah I probably won't see it but still you know I'll catch it eventually but just not the cinema yeah. uh, you're so dedicated Jay well you know I, I care too much Grace that's, that's my problem uh, and another film that's coming out this week which uh, I've heard good things about mm-hmm. and kind of annoyingly uh, it's Transit by uh, Christian Petzold oh was that out here this week yeah and I, I there was a couple of his films on movie previous films and mm. I missed both of them which really annoys me because I've heard really oh you haven't seen any of them no I haven't Phoenix ah, I think was one well, okay. that I and uh, there's Barber going like a couple Barbara, of years yeah Barbara I haven't seen it and I missed them they brought the movie and I missed them again yeah really I, I liked Barbara fair bit yeah. not nearly as much it was kind of held up as one of the best films of its year uh, same happened with Phoenix I kind of admired Phoenix a bit more but I've always felt slightly disconnected from oh, it okay. I haven't seen any of the earlier stuff these were kind of his art house breakthroughs didn't hugely convince me but I've heard again I've heard great things about transit. Yeah, it's a story of a man fleeing France after Nazi invasion uh, he assumes the identity of a dead author mm. uh, and he kind of hangs around Marseille and meets a woman desperate to find her missing husband yeah, that's all. Is, is really fascinated with this period in European history, yeah. and uh, has repeatedly dug into it. I think and Mark Camille gave it five stars. This one, I think he's yeah. a big uh, fan of Petzold. Yeah, um, yeah. Fe- like he's capable of really incredible things. For me, yet he hasn't hung together an entire film, but okay. like the last thirty minutes or so of Phoenix are extraordinary. Well, it's in this is in the i fi uh, I think from tomorrow. So, I'll probably uh, catch this. Huh? I'll be, yeah, I'll, I'll be back like here next week. Too, I kind of because I haven't seen the film. I might catch this just as I kind of yeah. see what all the fuss about. Uh, I think finally animated film because you know it's the summer Ugly Dolls what what's yeah. this are you ready Ugly for the dolls. there's a one two three four an eight word descriptor are you ready eight word right a story centred around the plush speciality ties oh fuck off that sounds like vibrators what? but anyway that's, that's a different thing we're not advertising this trash this was supposed to be I think a Robert Rodriguez film in the way that he does those spike kids <sighs> Robert Rodriguez is but he's act. produced this now and it's somebody called Kelly Asprey who made Shrek 2 and Nomeo and Juliet so we're in real good quality here there we go um, watch it at morning it looks I've seen pictures of it and a little bit of a trailer and it looks no, red. No, 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 no. there is another film called Leto <laughs> which is a Russian film but I th- I've seen this oh well it seems to come out in the UK, but it doesn't seem to be coming out in Ireland right, as far okay. as I can see. That's a shame. It would be nice to think if we And it's a movie s- release, I think, uh, right, right, in the so UK. We so this might pop up movie in we Ireland. Might well see it uh, this um, is directed by Kirill Sir Brennanov. Brennanov. Jesus, sorry. I'm sure <laughs> This a love triangle around a rock and roll musician, his protege, and his wife in 1980s Russia. Rolling. They they screened this at the Dublin Film Fest yes, earlier this I, year, I, and I, I saw it. It, uh, it screened late night, and I think it's about two and a half hours long, so I sort of reluctantly trudged along to it. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, it deals with a particular famous kind of punk band from Russia at that time. I knew nothing about them, and there's a bit of controversy about uh, sort of the surviving members of the band have questioned its authenticity. Going into it knowing absolutely nothing about that, it worked really, really well for okay. me. It's got this impressive style it's really nice black and white photography 
and then will suddenly slip into this weird animated interludes for its sort of musical sections. It works really, really well. Okay. I was really impressed with it. Doesn't entirely hang together for the entire length. It can't sustain two and a half hours. But overall, I was impressed with this. It really kept me uh, kept me awake. Yeah, it, do, it doesn't seem to be. I, I had a bit of a search today through the cinemas yeah. and whatever. It doesn't seem to got released here. That's but the UK, I uh, suspect it might be the movie, movie of the yeah. week. Or, yeah, or, yeah. Or we, we might well or see it on movies. Yeah, so we might see it. It's, it's well worth seeing. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. Excellent. Um, I think that's everything. I did see a, 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 a release date for JT Leroy, but it doesn't seem to have popped up either. Uh, did you see that? I did not. That was no, the closing film. We've, case, heard, but I didn't we've, make heard, it. Uh, we've heard bad things. I saw the trailer. The trailer looks abominable. Uh, <laughs> and as much as I love Laura Dern and uh, Kristen Stewart, I'm starting to wonder if she loves me. Indeed. Uh, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. But uh, yeah, I think that's it then for the week. Grace, Fabulous. take your hiccups home. Uh, you sorry, know. sorry. We we'll fix them in post. Yeah, we will. We won't. Uh, every hiccup will be kept. God damn it for posterity. That's the new intro. It is. <laughs> no, I'll make that happen. I am being shamed shamelessly for my enjoyment of wine. Listen, you enjoy all the wine, Grace. We all agree you with deserve that. it. Too much wine. Indeed. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Later.